choice but to totally destroy North Korea. Hello and welcome to the Forecast Roundtable. This is Dan Darling, Senior Analyst for Forecast International, covering global defense markets, and I'm joined by Derek Bisaccio, International Military Markets Analyst, focusing on the Middle East, Africa, and Eurasia. Today, we're, our focus is going to be on Northeast Syria and the clash of multiple actors occurring there. A sliver of territory in northeast Syria has been receiving a lot of media attention recently following a phone conversation between U.S. President Donald Trump and Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan on October 5th. The White House announced that night that U.S. troops would pull back from the area bordering Turkey so that Turkish forces could launch an offensive And by doing so, the White House signaled that the U.S.-backed Syrian Kurdish forces there would be left to their own devices. So, Derek, on the subject of northeast Syria, can you walk us through just briefly, who are the Kurds, what are they, what's their military stance vis-a-vis Syria with the Assad regime, with everybody who's listening to this knows, Bashar Assad is the dictator of Syria, and there has been an ongoing conflict there since about 2011. But walk us through the, 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 the area of northeast Syria and the Kurds and what they're defending. Yeah, so just to set it briefly, uh, in the civil war, which as you identified started in 2011, um, in th- uh, as the Assad regime was fighting against uh, Syrian rebel groups, it mostly withdrew from a lot of the uh, positions that it held in the north and northeast. And that vacuum, in many cases, was filled by uh, a militant group called the YPG. Um, this is a Kurdish militia. They took over administration in much of this area and then for a few years uh, battled with Islamic State, um, which is an Iraqi extremist group that moved into Syria in 2013. And the United States began backing them mainly because there was a lot of pressure on the Obama administration to be the leading international country against uh, this against this terror group, particularly, obviously, um, with Iraq being a close ally. And the United States didn't really have any other any other local partners in Syria that it could work with. Working with Assad was a non-starter, and working with the Syrian rebels, they'd tried that. But the Syrian rebels were mostly focused on Assad and not Islamic State. And so they began backing the Kurds, the YPG, and that uh, started sending off alarm bells in Turkey because Turkey sees the YPG as essentially being an offshoot of the uh, PKK, of the Kurdistan Workers' Party. And we'll get into the Turkish side of the point of view in a minute. Yeah, exactly. And so that that has really caused a lot of friction between the United States and Turkey as uh, the United States has essentially helped the YPG. Now it's under this kind of an, an umbrella group. It's a multi-ethnic uh, umbrella group called the Syrian Democratic Forces, uh, or the SDF. Yeah, SDF, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's mainly the driving force behind this umbrella group is the YPG. So when they've started taking over a lot of extra or a lot of uh, more territory in northern Syria, territory that they, they took uh, away from the Islamic State, 
that has uh, definitely given the YPG kind of its little uh, its own little statelet, if you will. Mm-hmm. And where they're still running most of the show, even where they've devolved some of the authority in, in certain towns to maybe like local governance structures would be the way to put it, that the YPG still is is controlling a lot of the show. And that obviously now you have, you know, a Kurdish uh, group that's administering Arab areas of the country. Yeah, semi-autonomous. Right, right. And YPG, they are only in this section of Syria because uh, government forces under Assad that are supported by Russia, which has vested interests in Syria and is a longstanding ally of the Assad family, um, those government forces, their areas, pockets of the country, it does not have full control of northeast Syria, which we're talking about here today, is obviously one of them, but is the province on the other side, like northwest Syria, is that still somewhat out of well, control it, of the it, regime? It, Idlib, you're, you're referring yes, to? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's where the remaining Syrian rebel groups are, and those Syrian rebel groups are anything from nationalist militias all the way up to extremists that are right so they're not roughly akin to islamic to... state but no so they're they and they've they themselves have fought against the ypg okay on a number of occasions right. it's it, it, a weird dynamic where they uh you know were not that that was not their main focus the syrian rebels were mostly focused on assad and assad has been mostly focused on them mm-hmm. and in any case, as the, as the civil war has progressed, the Syrian rebel groups, especially in the south, have been defeated. A lot of those fighters were evacuated under, you know, agreements with the Syrian army that would then put them in Idlib mm. and in 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 um, northern Aleppo province, not in the city anymore. They used to hold positions there, and then with with Russia's help, the Syrian army was able right. to to evict them from there. But so it, Idlib and northern Aleppo. Uh, are held by any number of opposition groups, okay. some of them backed by Turkey. Uh, Turkey last, uh, I believe it was last year, they did an operation in small northwest corner that was held by the YPG, that being Afrin. And mm-hmm. they moved in, and even though that area really had not seen any violence during the Civil War, they moved in, they evicted the YPG from that area. And there was a lot of reports that there was Things like, yeah, there was, you know, instances of looting. There were, you know, attacks against ethnic, you know, ethnic Kurds by some of these militias, some Mm -hmm. of these, you know, Turkmen or Arab or even Turkish troops. And yeah, and so they don't, they no longer have a presence in that area. Okay. Because this is Turkey's third incursion into Syria. Correct. Since. Like August 2016, they did right. They did the Euf- Euphrates. Yeah, the U- Euphrates uh, branch yeah. was the and then all branches of Afrin. Referring to yep. in Afrin. Uh, and, okay, and then, now we have the latest. Yep, uh, and so this what is it Peace Spring? I think yeah, the yeah. Turks so so the it. latest yeah was announced on Wednesday. Gotta love was those the... operational <laughs> names. Um, <laughs> I don't know who comes up with them, well, but they're, in they're this pretty instance, inventive. Uh, I'm sure one of Erdogan's toadies probably came up with a very nice you know, name to ameliorate the situation. It's right. It's a right. code name, obviously. But. Right. Yeah. And so they, they launched that on Wednesday. It was announced on, uh, on, on president Erdogan's social media page. And basically within minutes of that, there were reports of airstrikes hitting 
a number of uh, SDF positions throughout uh, is east of the east of the Euphrates River, mm-hmm. and that obviously, as you as you said earlier, that that was um, following the phone call between President Trump and President Erdogan that you know, essentially gave Turkey a green light, if you will. Right. The United States said that we'll you know we'll move our troops that have worked with the SDF, we'll move them out of the areas around the border, essentially pa- paving the way for Turkey to do this operation. Right, and I, and I, as you and I have discussed here at, in the office, it's it's been an interesting week with the discussions on Northeast Syria in uh, social media with the NATSEC community and national security community and the media that covers national security. It, it's for an area that was largely ignored in the bigger right. picture. It's now everybody's an expert and well, it's, it's become it's very it, it's very em- emotionally emotional. polarizing. Yeah. And, and, and it's and understandable on the Kurdish of, issue, right? And, and 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 I think part of that stems from when you, you know, when you saw the villainy of the Islamic State mm-hmm. and some of the atrocities that they carried out, and especially in Syria where there's really not any good actors. You look at the nope. Syrian rebels, for example; they were doing some of the same stuff Islamic State was doing. The ones that weren't jihadists were corrupt bandits. In effect, they weren't. When they took over places, they weren't governing any better than Assad. Then you have Assad who's using chemical weapons, mm-hmm. and who you know even when he's not, his air force is basically bombing anything that that moves. And well, so the Russians are y- basically doing yeah. It for and him. so yeah. so it, yeah. So introduced into this scenario, this this um, you know the YPG. And you you get there is kind of a you know a sense that there are even even where they've had issues with governance that they're not as totalitarian or not as abusive. Well, they've worked with the U.S. Right, in Iraq. Yeah, and, yeah ex- uh, well, so there's a long-standing history between the U.S. US and, and ethnic and Kurds, ethnic right? Kurds those being the region. ones in Iraq, and they are groups, but, borderless yeah. because am I correct in saying they they. Obviously, I cover Turkey, so right. we'll get into Turkey a little more. Right, but yeah, there's um, and, they, and there's a large in Turkey, ethnic in Iran, community in, in Iraq, exactly. In Syria. So, this is a borderless people with no ethnic state of their own, right? And they've fought very well. It was it, alongside it was, almost, it, was a, it was a classic underdog story, especially right. with the with the Battle of Kobani. That was where the United States really got. Involved that started in 2014. They ended up winning in 20, 2015, early 2015. But it was a you know back against the wall. You're up against this you know very villainous extremist group, and with the United States' help, they were able to push them back, and then they started retaking territory. Mm-hmm. So this then has become a very emotionally charged subject, and it's especially you know, especially in comparison to Turkey mm-hmm. where it amongst the I guess amongst the NATSEC community amongst the Congress Turkey's lost a lot of its political capital in the United yeah. States no question there's a lot it. of reasons for that that we, you know that obviously that could be you know a, a podcast subject in itself mm-hmm. but so when you put those two together right. that means that there's a lot more sympathy for you know in this case obviously well, a non-state Islamic actor state. versus who's a country that's de jure a, a member of NATO it's mm-hmm. it's an ally of the United States but you see a lot more sympathy for its you know non-state enemy mm-hmm and and as you mentioned, I mean, it, it's the Kurd, the Kurdish forces guarding 
Islamic State prisoners, and we just we see them as an ally against an evil entity. And and right, so, and there's I mean, and then a, you have a, a president who gets on Twitter and is going to say some very odd things or <laughs> impulsive things at times, yep, yep. most of the time. But anyway, you know, there's no love lost in the NATSEC community for the, the person sitting in the White House. And so we're getting a lot of coloring outside the lines rather than right. what are well, the issues and, at and hand. You, and and you I'm touched not, on, well, you, yeah. t- you touched on the prisoners that, that, that they're overseeing. And mm-hmm. that actually, I, I think part of it is there's a fear of, a repeat of what happened in about uh, let's say 20, 2010, 2012, that that whole period where it was basically everyone looked at it and they said, well, the surge worked in Iraq. Mm-hmm. The awakening was able to, you know, undermine their popularity amongst Sunni tribes in Iraq. And we've taken you know, we've kicked them out, we've evicted them from anywhere where they uh, held positions. We put a lot of them in jail and, and we won the war. And obviously that wasn't the case. Right. And we know that with the benefit of hindsight that throughout 2010, 2011, 2012, they were running basically standard guerrilla attacks. They were freeing a lot of the prison, uh, a lot of the prisoners. They were assassinating a lot of uh, members of the, the Sunni awakening that had, had risen up against them. And then suddenly 2013, they sweep into Syria. And then the next year they sweep into Iraq. And so the concern is that you're going to see something akin to that, man. where Turkey and the SDF are going to be battling and then Islamic State, which does still have remnants of its organization, the numbers seem to vary dramatically. So I'd, I'm not going to put a figure to how many fighters they have, but it's probably enough where they could run operations and start breaking out some of their fighters from prisons. And then you might see the, the fear is that, that yeah, they might just come right back and do the same thing that yeah. they were doing five years and ago. And that brings me to another, um, you brought up the numbers with Islamic State. Well, <laughs> what are the numbers of U.S. troops there? Um, because this is another issue. Uh, uh, the president wants to wind down all these senseless Middle East wars. Right. And this isn't necessarily a war. It's a security operation. Um, but how many troops do we have roughly stationed? Few hundred that are actually yeah. on the ground on the there, ground. yeah, a few yeah. hundred. But obviously, they, they they're they're helping target you know uh, target airstrikes on mm-hmm. Islamic State. So they're and working with presence. so they're working with other military assets mm-hmm. that are around the region. Obviously, that's supposedly working and, with Turks. The Turkish yeah, and they've side also they've also keep that border. And that's well, this has been so so it was. Um, Representative Dan Crenshaw of uh, Texas, he put he put out a tweet yesterday where uh, he 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 essentially said, well, you know, everybody that's concerned about these endless wars needs to realize that these American troops were helping deter future warfare. And he was right. Where the United States has had soldiers, for the most part, nobody has wanted to go and mess with them. They've run joint patrols with Turkey that can help Turkey understand that that uh, northern Syria is not going to be used as a base, whether. Turkey is going to see it that way. That's helped at least de-escalate the situation, such as west of the Euphrates uh, River in in throughout the past like year or so. And then also the Assad government has not wanted to really try to test the United States and and try to actually well, take be SDF territory because on a few occasions the, the the pro-Assad militias, the Iranian forces have have tried to make a uh, tried to make a stab and they got they got burned for it and pretty there's hard. no interest in it for yeah and why, so why you want to you want to consolidate 
reconsolidate your hold over the country and you can wait out the American troops. That's or, or well, you yeah, can that's de- or yeah, you can exactly. That's that's a, a sod's perspective yeah. on it. But in, in in any case, the those those American troops for the most part have been able to keep keep everybody on a level head because nobody wants to go ahead and mess with the United right. States military. And it, there, in effect, Trump is saying, and and to be fair to the president, mm-hmm. he's been this is he's been consistent about one thing in Syria. I don't want to be involved there. It's not in U.S. strategic interest to be involved there. And that can be argued either way. But the the truth of the matter is pre um, this deployment of U.S. forces into Syria, Syria was the geopolitical realm of Russia and Iran. Right. Well, yeah, there's not a whole lot of it was not even US, even today. There's not there's not a whole lot of strategic interest. We don't have much. Influence there's na- there's there. obviously some some level of national security interest, but where you prioritize it, it's obviously a lot lower than other areas of the world. Right. And I think well, you, and you're right. Trump has been very consistent that he wants the U.S. out of these a lot of these sort of wars where we're backing counterinsurgency efforts seemingly for forever. Well, he and announced so, in and, December. Well, and so the yeah, yeah, and so the the thing is with with Syria. As I was saying, obviously the United States can de-escalate these situations, but what's the end game? Are we supposed to Absolutely. be there for a hundred years right. de-escalating the, the situation? Mm-hmm. Or just in a, in Same a with hold Afghanistan, like the DMZ where, and where, the pre- where President Trump has also been critical of mm-hmm. is what exactly is the end game of these scenarios? What conditions is the United States looking for that could give it an exit? What are the you know what does that look like? Does that mean Assad has to step down? And how are you going to go ahead and do that? Because yeah. at this point he's that's not going to at least in the post 11, 2011 world he's stronger than he's ever been. Right. And so that's you're right. So Trump has been very consistent on that. He basically foreshadowed this back in December of 2018, where he ordered and then eventually walked back his decision to get U.S. troops out of. Syria, get them out of Afghanistan. A lot of his advisors have been against it. A lot of the Congress has been against it. So that's kind of uh, evened out his his approach. But he's definitely not enthused with these sorts of wars. And you can tell he doesn't want to play. Well, let's walk back to December right. of last year. He announced, you know, uh, I, I believe it was a phased troop withdrawal or it was it January yeah. when he said, "We're I'm pulling out. And I, then James think, Mattis yeah. resigned. Right. So this has been, and then Pentagon and foreign policy community people pulled him back because right. he's impulsive. There's no question of that. It's it's he well, his uh, is yeah. an impulsive foreign policy and a transactional one, which we're not necessarily used to after right. the, the World War Two new. Well, it's- it's also hard for the United States' own agencies to plan for some right. of his moves. It's right. it's one thing. It so makes he, governance very yeah, difficult. So he gave a speech before he, or while he was running for president, before I think before he got the Republican nomination. nomination but yeah. it was pretty. It was basically by that point. I think it was April of 2016. So he was pretty close. And where he where he extolled the values of being unpredictable to. Enemies. Well, definitely the that. problem. The problem was he's also unpredictable to his own advisors, the cabinet, and, his yeah. own advisors, mm-hmm. all the agencies that work for him, especially DOD, and that makes it really hard for them to coherently craft policy to follow right. with what he's doing. When it's not, it's not all that clear if he's actually, say, for example, in 
December of last year when he says we're, we're leaving Syria, how much of a heads up did anybody right. have? Is he listening like to his advisors? Lot. Is he right. reading the, the policy materials uh, given to him? Right. So it, it does beg the question. And therefore, we I'm, I'll bring it back to the NATSEC community outrage over this. Right. Um, there's certainly been a minimum of diversity of thought on this one. I think yeah. to and say that, that quite honestly. Fairly. Definitely doesn't doesn't help trying to figure out the facts of this situation or find out a way to, uh, I think, de-escalate it because a lot of the response has been, okay, well, Turkey's doing this, then we need to hit Turkey and we need to hit Turkey hard. That's mm-hmm. been the, almost the consensus viewpoint in a lot of the commentary that you see in, and in a lot of the Congress. I know Lin- Lindsey Graham oh, basically yeah. threatened sanctions from hell. I yeah, think I mean, how he it, said it. Trump and, did unify both parties briefly. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it, it, which is remarkable given given the other right. domestic circumstances <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. he's facing. But what what nobody has, what there hasn't been enough emphasis on is, is what Turkey's security concerns are with this because they do have very valid fears mm-hmm. that this is going to be you know, a, a springboard for terrorism within Turkey. Mm-hmm. They see a, a direct connection between the PKK and the YPG, and the United States used to see that, and then yeah. in 2014 quietly dropped that that right. linkage and, and to, 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 to ex- expedite being able to actually work with them. We'll walk back on the PKK thing in, mm-hmm. in, in a minute, um, because Turkey is its whole other issue it's it's this is what makes this subject so difficult non-state actors state actors russia's interests in syria the long time confluence of a lot of interests the iranian influence in in syria um and and uh one thing i want to ask you Mm -hmm. deviating to the south of syria very quickly okay what's the israeli reaction to trump's Withdrawal and the Turkish offensive into northeast. Syria. So on an, on a few levels, I think at least at least on the Turkish offensive, uh, President Netanyahu has been very vocal in the past few days about that Turkish offensive, and even I believe offered to send humanitarian assistance to the Kurds. Which, wow. when you compare to what Israel-Turkey relations used to be, that's rather remarkable. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's and been very a, warm before yeah, 2010. Yeah, exactly. And so that's been the response there. I think where Israel is concerned about American withdrawal from Syria is what that implies for Iran and for Iran's uh, um, support of either militias within Syria and the Assad government, but also Hezbollah. I think the the immediate term concern for Israel is that that means that the United States isn't there to, say, threaten Iran or Assad. It's mm. a lot easier for Assad or it's it's a, it's it's a, he's got much more of an incentive to not cause problems with Israel if he's got the United States breathing right down his neck controlling a lot of his territory. Right. So that's the immediate concern is that the withdrawal of the United States is going to in a sense give a, a freer hand if you will to Iran to Assad to Hezbollah. Right. The longer concern about that is where if you look at President Trump's approach to a lot of these issues in the Middle East. So you look at Syria, for example, and he's basically said, this is not our, this is not our issue. This is their issue. They've been fighting about this for years. We're not going to play a, play a role militarily. And then you also look at in the Strait of Hormuz, 
when a number of tankers were sabotaged, when some have been captured. Uh, he said, well, you know, this is a problem. We're upset about Iran with this. But, hey, we don't get a whole lot of oil through that anyway. This is other countries' interests. All of that together, if you're Israel, looks very concerning because that looks mm-hmm. like a United States that's, well, in a sense, pivoting to other areas. Right. Not to invoke the pivot to Asia, but that's mm-hmm. a United States that's more focused on, say, China and Southeast Asia. And the United States is more wor- worried about, say, rivalry with Russia and getting away from the Middle East. So that, I think, is the longer-term Israeli concern about that, is with less U.S. engagement, that also means less focus and that, you know, in, in a sense, leaving them to their own devices. Gotcha. Um, two other state actors I want to okay. uh, ask you about. One is obviously the regime in Damascus. Mm-hmm. Um and the other is it's, as I mentioned a couple times, their longstanding ally, Russia. Is there, what's their reaction to the U.S. withdrawing and how do they see this? Is it, is it that advantageous for them? And um, is Russia in any way coordinating attacks with Turkish, of, Turkey's offensive? Well, Meaning not acting okay. in concert so, with them. Right, but right. But at least, well, I'll, well, so I'll answer that part briefly and then I'll sure. get back to yeah, into sorry, Assad. It's a so, so yeah, yeah, question. yeah. Well, so, so I think, I think the way that you would look at it is that they would, they're definitely going to need to de escalate um, the airspace, de conflict the airspace to make sure that if Turkish jets are operating somewhere, Russian jets aren't in right. the same area. Obviously, they're going to want to make sure that if they're striking anywhere, they're not going to say errantly hit a Syrian army position that might also have Russian you know, say advisors there, that's not too much of a worry in Northeast Syria because you can basically say, okay, anything over the Euphrates is where Syrian army and that's where Russia is. Mm -hmm. And so from Russia's perspective, it's not as big a threat in this area that they might, you know, cause an issue with that. I think it's more, they want to make sure that they don't cause an issue with the United States. So they're Mm going to need to uh, do deconfliction with the United States on that one. But circling back to the first part of your question, so how, how Assad sees it, uh, number one, obviously, is going to be infinitely suspicious until U.S. troops are gone and they're not on the ground at mm-hmm. all in Syria and American jets aren't flying over his airspace. So obviously, I think he's very supportive of the idea that, hey, these you know these American troops need to get out of here because he's never said or he's never g- given that his blessing. He's welcomed uh, Iran. Quite in, understandably. Quite understandably. Yeah. He's welcomed Iran in. He's welcomed Russia in. But he's, you know, his constant refrain is that he's going to retake all of Syria and that foreign forces, that being Turkey, that being the United States, need to leave. They have no permission to operate here. They need to leave. And obviously his ability to act on that is diminished. And he relies a lot on Iran's support and on Russia's support to threaten them. But obviously, he's going to see it as a positive the, the, the faster the U.S. gets mm-hmm. out of there, because that's the most difficult actor for him to deal with. Right. There have been a number of instances, I, I referenced it earlier, but there have been a number of instances where Syrian army or pro-Syrian army groups have gotten a little bit too close or have fired on U.S. positions or groups that the United States supports. And the U.S. Air Force has just come in and let loose on them and pummel right. them. And so he's aware of the fact that he cannot force the U.S. out through military action. He has a lot greater ability to force the, uh, the YPG or to force the SDF 
to either partner with him or to hand back territory to him, especially now if the SDF is concerned that the U.S. is leaving and it's facing Turkey to the north. The last thing it wants is to also face the Syrian army to the south. And so that gives Assad a lot of greater leverage. So while it's not perfect for Assad, I think I think this development with the U.S. withdrawing from that gives him a little bit, uh, it definitely strengthens his position, Yeah, I, I would say. I don't see any, any way that it doesn't help him out, right. is, I guess, the way that I would put it. Uh, obviously, it means he's got he's got to evict Turkey from at some point, yeah, that, from, which is its own <laughs> which is its own challenge. And Absolutely. it's it, but I, I would say between between evicting Turkey or evicting the United States, probably a lot oh, easier he, to evict. Prefer Turkey. the the devil <laughs> you would, he knows. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You would prefer the Turkish military, even though it's a right. very very strong and capable military. The United States military is just on another level. Right. Well, on that, we're going to take a brief break and when we come back we'll talk much more about turkey we'll bring them into the equation a bit more 